What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. You guys know the deal about Strava Craft Coffee. It is not only delicious coffee, but it packs a CBD-infused punch, which helps relieve aches, pains, migraines, headaches, anything that's going on with your body, it helps cool down. And the awesome thing about it is it can also help with the coffee jitters. So you get the caffeine, but then it calms down those coffee jitters for anyone that gets those. And if you use the magical code DNVR20, you'll get 20% off your first online purchase. And let's say you've already used that magical code DNVR20. Thank you, by the way. Make sure to subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and you'll receive 20% every single time that you order Strava Craft Coffee. And you can get it set up so the coffee is just delivered directly to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks at that 20% off price. So make sure to get in on it Check out Strava Craft Coffee, use that magical code DNVR20, and then make sure to subscribe to save 20%. All right, Mace, let's hop to the show. Welcome to the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Thursday edition in the Mile High City. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous, and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring a real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. We have some people at DNVR that have taken classes at MSU Denver Online, and they say just that, that these professors work in the field so they know exactly how uh, and what you need to know, and that's what they teach you. So make sure to check them out at msudenver.edu slash online to see all they have to offer, including over 40 online and hybrid programs and 750 classes. So go to msudenver.edu slash online to see what they have to offer. My boy, Mace, what's going on? How are you doing, man? The weekend is almost here. The Kansas City Chiefs are almost in Denver. The snow is almost here. I think that's just as big a thing. And hopefully for those who are struggling with fires in our state, the, uh, the forecast of snow precipitation for this weekend is uh, going to bring some needed relief. Just some heartbreaking scenes going on up in the, in the high country right now. Yeah, well, w- without a doubt. And we hope that, that that really helps kill those fires. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, – for – from a little perspective, it stinks to lose fall and go right to winter, but uh, all things considered, I mean, you have some spots uh, up in the mountains where they haven't even seen an inch of rain in the last three and a half months. So wild. it's a tinderbox right now. And so uh, maybe the snow coming in, it won't be the best thing for football, won't be the, the best thing for the, for the Chiefs and Broncos, but 
it might be the best thing for the state of Colorado. Yes, yes. And May, speaking of the Broncos, man, is it refreshing and fun to talk to Drew Locke. We talked to him yesterday, and man, he is he is putting the Darth Vader mask on, playing the villain against the Chiefs, at least trying to play the villain. It's fun talking to Drew. Well, it's funny because you put that out there, and then you've got – I look at my timeline after I post the quote, and – You've got people that are upset about the fact that Drew is saying that he's on the dark side. Like, oh, like he doesn't get – there was one response saying to me that they didn't think that Drew got it because he was saying he was on the dark side. People, you have to understand the context of what he was saying. He was viewing it as someone who grew up in Kansas City, was told that things were a certain way. Let's just – Take the the arc of Anakin Skywalker, for example, and let's view it in terms of what happens in prequels. And I know some people don't want to talk about the prequels, but they exist. They're part of the canon. He grows up seeing things a certain way, but then he gets exposed to then Chancellor Palpatine before he actually transforms into the Emperor. And... The next thing, and next thing you know, he's seeing things from a different point of view. And and Palpatine is saying that the Sith and the and the Jedi they're not all that different. And you know they 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 want they they want some of the same things. And uh, you know it's it was just a different it's just a different point of view. And so maybe there's something to be said for Drew Locke being being Dr- Druakin Skywalker and now becoming. Lock Vader here. Of course, <laughs> yes, I know what happens at the end of Return of the Jedi. Yes, we know that the uh, that that even by the rise of Skywalker at the end, Palpatine finally gets his comeuppance. But uh, yeah, embrace the fact that he's thinking about uh, things in a in a binary like that, like, like Star Wars. It's fun, and it you can and it, and it can launch it can launch a thousand memes. So just oh, enjoy yes. it. Yes, yes, it can, it can launch him into space, just like uh, Buzz Lightyear last year had some fun. This year, it's Darth Vader. We'll see what next year brings. And, and just to give you guys the full quote of what Drew said playing his hometown team, he said, it's cool to be able to kind of put the Darth Vader mask on and steer away from Jedi and come to the dark side, so to say, over here in Denver. I kind of like playing that guy. Hopefully, I can be that guy and get a win this Sunday and start the rivalry. And Mace... Starting the rivalry is right. Drew nailed it on the head. I, I know some people didn't take kindly to that. They said, what do you mean? Uh, this is a rivalry. Macy, it's got to be competitive for it to be a real rivalry. And the fact of the matter is, in this past decade, this has not been a rivalry because the Broncos own the first half of the decade just by destroying the Chiefs when they had Peyton Manning. And then the second half of the decade, the Chiefs have destroyed the Broncos. Of course, they've won nine straight games against the Broncos. So Drew's right. To get this rivalry going again, Broncos got to get a win at some point. Well, in the long run, it's always a rivalry when you're talking about the overall arc going over decades. But right now, when it's nine in a row for the Chiefs and a bunch of those games haven't been particularly close or competitive, and you look at last year and the combined score was 53 to 9 in those two games that they played it isn't a rivalry right now you could say that the fact that the Raiders beat the Chiefs earlier this season that has jump-started that rivalry a little bit but Broncos Chiefs right now 
it's in the freezer and it's going to be in the freezer until slash unless the Broncos can rise up and take something of value from the Chiefs. And, and that's the thing. The Broncos could pick off a win here or there, but for this to really become a rivalry, it's got to be more than that. It's going to have to be the Broncos beating out the Chiefs for the AFC West at some point. Because let's say the Broncos win on Sunday, but then the Chiefs win the next four and control things in the AFC West for the next couple of years. Then this was an aberration. So it's not just about winning this game to jumpstart the rivalry. It's also about what the Broncos do long-term. And once again, above all, that's going to be tied to Drew Locke's development. Yep, yep, it certainly will. And Mace, another person that it may be tied to their development is a guy on the other side, even a higher draft pick than Drew Locke, and that is number five overall pick, Bradley Chubb. In the past two weeks, we've seen Bradley Chubb kind of explode onto the scene after having a really quiet start. Of course, dealing with the ACL, Vic Fangio got us prepared for this since the very beginning. He really tempered the expectations for Chubb at first. But now that we've seen him come onto the scene, is Bradley Chubb back? He's getting close, and I know I'm going to sound like a hater when I say this, but three and a half sacks in the last couple of games, hey, that's great. That's a good sign. Unfortunately, you have to consider the context of who it happened against. Mm. Two teams in the Jets and the Patriots whose offensive lines are just shredded right now. Yep. Yep. And Mesa, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you and I'm yeah. not going to call you a negative Nancy because that's just, that's just the truth. Now he's done what he's needed to do plus some. So you, you gotta give him the applause for that. And I love what he's done because he's taken over these two games. I mean, that sack on Isaiah mm-hmm. Wynn last week was just so dominant because he didn't just destroy the left tackle. He destroyed Cam Newton in the process and got the ball out. It was incredible, but with the Patriots, and this is not an excuse for the Patriots. This is just the truth. They were missing multiple offensive linemen going into the game. Then one of them got hurt. And I think in the game, they shifted their offensive line two or three times. I mean, it was as bad as you could imagine. And that's just the truth. Not an excuse for the, for the Patriots, just the truth of what happened. So a number five overall pick, Mace, should destroy that situation when a team is missing more than half of their offensive line and they're reshuffling within a game. I mean, wasn't that the first time Isaiah Wynn has played left tackle in, uh, in a long time? I think, I think I remember hearing that. So uh, you, you do have to take that into account. And then the week before Mace, the jets are a terrible, terrible team. I mean, their, their left tackle got hurt the very first series of the game and then they brought in a guy that shouldn't have been playing, and then they pulled him. So Bradley Chubb had two and a half sacks in that game. Again, doing what he should do, but you can't overlook that. So what do I need to see? What do we need to see to say that he's coming back? Well, I just need to see the consistency happen. Now, do I expect three and a half sacks per game, Mace, over the next uh, two games? No. I don't know. Well, that, do unrealistic. Do you expect well, three? He had three and a half in the last two games. Do you expect one or two sacks? I mean, do you expect three in the next two weeks? No, I don't expect that. Okay. Do you expect two in the next two weeks? That would be great to see. If, yeah. he, if he has one, if he averages one a game in the next two weeks, then I'm saying he's back. 
Yeah, and I think that's the key thing here. What you expect from Bradley Chubb in general is to be at right around a sack a game pace. So if he's going to be somebody who's going to be your linchpin edge rusher, who's going to do enough to where come the spring you're saying he's getting the fifth-year option and we're making all of our plans to give him a long-term deal beyond the fifth-year option, he needs to be at close to a sack a game pace. So really, when I say close, I mean 13 sacks over 16 games. Yes. And the interesting thing, Zach, is that let's say he does go on a sack a game pace the rest of the season. That means he finishes with 14 and a half. That's right where you want him. That, that's ideal. If, if Bradley Chubb has a sack a game from now until the end of the season, or even if he's a little bit off and finishes with – with with 13 and a half sacks so 10 sacks over the next 11 games then we're saying he's healthy he's overcome the knee injury he's your primary edge rusher he's the he's the one that you're investing in and the other thing that kind of completes the package is the fact that he's growing as a leader something he alluded to in his press conference yesterday. So I'm really close to saying that Bradley Chubb is all the way back. I just want to see it against an offensive line that isn't decimated by injuries the way the last two were. That's the, that's the thing that I need to see to kind of complete this package here. So Mace, over the next two weeks, will the Broncos get to face an offensive line that a- a- after the game you say, okay, Bradley Chubb just did it against a real opponent. Do the Chiefs and or Chargers have that? Well, right now you've got Mitchell Schwartz the right tackle for the Chiefs who did not practice on Wednesday. But that being said, you've also got Eric Fisher in there. And Eric Fisher is is probably the one that he's going to be lined up against most often. So you would say absolutely in that case, if he's facing facing Eric Fisher. And the interesting thing with Isaiah Wynn, you're going from guard to tackle. I mean, he's played a lot. He's played a lot of tackle. In fact, it was interesting the Patriots chose to move him to guard. What that also told you, I think, is that the Patriots were really more concerned about the interior rush than the exterior rush, which is why they did have Met guard coming out for that game on Sunday, given all the injuries they had on the interior. So that's, a, that's just something to look back at. Chargers offensive line, uh, right now, just taking a look at it real quick. Um, they are looking right now, it's, it's definitely not a great offensive line. I mean, you'll have, him, you'll have Sam Tevy and Brian Bulaga at the tackles. You can expect him to to have a good game, but at the same time, it's not decimating the way the Patriots and the and the uh, the Jets, pardon me, are. So, a couple of sacks in the next two games, you're saying Bradley Chubb is back, and that and you're saying, hey, four and a half sacks in four in in four games, that's outstanding. Yeah, actually, yep. five. My bad, five and a half. Bad math on my part. Three and a half plus two, five and a half over. The, and the other end, then if you can continue that sack game pace into Atlanta. You could be looking at six and a half sacks after eight games. Then the big picture, even with those three games in September, when he was working his way back, you're saying, wow, 13 sack pace for the season. Great. Awesome. Chubb's back. And he's doing it without Von Miller. The other thing is he's drawing attention to where he's freeing up Malik Reed. He's making Malik Reed better. And that's the other level of Bradley Chubb that I think is kind of com- is going to complete the package here is the fact that if he can get sacks when he's getting attention, extra attention, I should say from opposing blocking schemes and he can make, and he can allow the guy on the other side to be productive as well. Then 
That's the complete package. That's Von Miller drawing two guys and allowing someone with a one-on-one matchup to get a sack. That's really becoming the premium edge rusher that you drafted him to be. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say it quite yet. I do think within the next couple of weeks, we are going to be saying Bradley Chubb 100% back, and you can't attribute it in any – and at that point, you'll say you cannot attribute it in any way to the lines that he was facing. But we just got to see that final piece of the puzzle here in the next couple of weeks to make that proclamation. Man, it's what, and what's going to be a huge test this week, Mace? He can really catapult himself to really on Monday us saying he's back if he has a big game against Kansas City and specifically against Patrick Mahomes, a guy that is so difficult to take down. Just ask Von Miller himself. Of course, Von Miller was was on the rush when mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes threw the left-handed pass. It was because Von Miller was breathing down his neck but unable to get him. If Bradley Chubb can get him once or twice, man, that is not only going to be huge for Bradley Chubb's trajectory for the rest of this season, but it's going to be huge for the Broncos in this game. I mean, one big play against Patrick Mahomes will, will do a ton for this defense and for this team. So I agree. He's got all the momentum coming on his side right now. Makes three and a half sacks. Make it four and a half by Monday morning, Bradley. Yeah. You know what's interesting, Zach, is that so far this season, Patrick Mahomes has been sacked, I believe, seven times in the first six games of the in the in the first of uh, five games of the year. Let me count here. One, two, or six. My bet my bet or nope, seven. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I believe five, it is six, seven. 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 But three of them came against the Raiders, of course. And, you know, we hate, you know, we're going to go in the whole, um, in the whole Vance Joseph mode, talking about how sex can come <laughs> from a scenario where you're, wor- you're working with a lead rather than working from behind. But at the same time, I'm actually going through right now because when we do this, we're kind of thinking out loud and I get an idea and I'm wondering. So, I'm going back to the Chiefs Raiders game that they played earlier this month and saying, okay, those three sacks, how many came uh, early? How many came late? And what I see here is that you have one sack in the first quarter, one sack in the third quarter, and actually one, only one sack coming in the fourth quarter when the Chiefs were behind and starting to get into chase mode. So you can't simply attribute the Raiders' three-sack performance against Patrick Mahomes to the, ga- to the game being out of hand and, and, the, and the Chiefs being forced to pass. So that, sort, that shows that with a decent young collection of emerging young town on the, on the front seven, like the Raiders had, you can get to Patrick Mahomes, which I think might augur well for the Broncos if they can keep the game close, if it is still a game on even terms or close to it. If they fall, if the Broncos fall behind early like they did last year in Kansas City, last year in Denver, I don't think you're going to see Bradley Chubb get a sack. If they can keep the game competitive to where third quarter, let's say it's 17-10 or – 20 to 13 it's a one it's a one score game into the second half then I expect Bradley Chubb is going to come down with at least one sack yep yeah yeah I think so as well Mace from what we've seen very very 
encouraged with him. Man, I'm so pumped for this game. And we're kind of already getting the football weather out there, Mesa. Gray skies today. And, of course, we're going to have gray skies with some stuff coming out of the sky on Sunday when the Chiefs come in town. Uh, we'll see if it's reminiscent of last year when the Broncos played in Kansas City and it was actually a pretty big snowstorm. I think it has a chance for that. I know it's going to be cold. That's for sure. Mace? Well, it's going to be cold, but right now, Zach, what we're looking at is we're looking at the snow kicking in a bit later. Yesterday at this time, when I looked at the forecast, we're starting to see the snow on the hour-by-hour forecast. We're starting to see the snow pop up at around 3 o'clock, 3.30. Now, as I'm looking at the, at the forecast on the Dark Sky app, I'm seeing the snow pop up at at later on at at, i believe let's see here no actually no my bad i was looking at uh, castle pines not denver snow popping up at about three o'clock so there you go there we go but that that means it's it's going to be snowing but we may not be it won't be at the point where there's been a lot of accumulation last year in kansas city it was snowing well before the game and it it was piling it was piling up on the field and the the fact that it was snowing pregame meant that it was snowing after they'd taken the tarp off and it was collecting and there's only but so much they could do so with this kind with this kind of forecast here the snow actually hitting during the game uh, they'll just have to have to keep clearing it up but it may not be as bad as what we saw last year at Arrowhead it's true it it's true man I can't freaking wait Mason I can't also wait to give you my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week right now because last week I went with an Alabama football game. Of course, Georgia, I picked the over at 51. It easily hit, hitting at 65. I'm going to stick with Alabama, but I'm not going to go with the over this time. For my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week, I'm going to go Alabama minus 21 and a half over Tennessee. That's a line you would rarely see in the NFL, except when the Chiefs play the Jets coming up. I think we're getting a line similar to that. But I love Alabama to destroy this 21 and a half line over Tennessee. Last year, what's funny about this line, Mace, last year, Alabama won by 22. So they would have covered by half a point. You're saying, boy, that's a little too close for me to take that bet. Well, Tennessee lost its past two games by 23 points and 27 points to worst teams in Alabama. One of those games, they lost to Georgia 44 to 21. So they lost to Georgia by 23 points. And then Alabama just beat Georgia by 17. So that's like a 40 point spread right there. I like Alabama with the 21 and a half. Yeah. I wanted to do a college football line this week. Like, but like I was considering a couple of them. I was considering uh, North Carolina 14-and-a-half point favorite over NC State. Carolina's going to be mad coming off of the drop-plagued ending uh, of that game down in Tallahassee last week against Florida State. But NC State's played pretty well since getting waxed by Virginia Tech. They've won three in a row, including one over a, a then-ranked Pittsburgh team. So I don't like that. I don't like – you know, people may ask me about Wisconsin. 19-and-a-half point favorite against Illinois, of course – it's going to be a very quiet night at Camp Randall Stadium. I don't like that. Illinois did beat Wisconsin last year. And even in the previous years when they didn't beat Wisconsin, had a habit of key, at times they've kept the game around 10 to 14 points. So that would come on the, uh, on the side of that spread to where I wouldn't be comfortable uh, with making that pick. So let's go back to the NFL. 
for the pick of the week. And I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. Uh-huh, you're going back the, to the well. I'm going back to the well. I can't go to the Braves right now. I'm, if they were in the World Series, I would probably give you a pick that involved uh, the strikeout over under. Green Bay going down to Houston is only a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm. And, they're, and they're coming off of a bad, bad game in Tampa, obviously. I can't see the Packers playing that lousy two weeks in a row. Yes, Houston's got some fighting spirit now with Romeo Cornell, and, of course, they took the Titans to overtime last week. But is that the best shot that we've seen from Houston? Quite possibly it is. I'm going to take the Packers, even though they're giving three and a half points to the Texans. I think Green Bay wins by 10. I got to say, Mace, I was surprised that the line was that low. So uh, from where you're coming from, I think that's a good bet. However, now there's probably some bias coming my side. I'm picking Houston to win this game straight up. You do make really good points about the Packers playing two bad games in a row. Uh, but, uh, man, I and Houston probably giving it their best shot last week. I'm just, I'm just doubling down on a two-game losing streak for the Packers here. But I got to say, I was surprised. I thought the line would be like seven Green Bay. So with it only being three and a half, I do like that. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers last week had a 35.4 passer rating. Sounds familiar. That was his lowest passer rating in a single game that he started in the regular season since 2014 against Buffalo. Actually, I'll include the playoffs in that. So third lowest passer rating of his career, lowest in nearly six full seasons. So you say, okay. What happened to the Packers and Aaron Rodgers after that game against Buffalo those many years ago? Well, they played Tampa Bay, interestingly enough, the next week. Sort of interesting how the Bucs uh, come into this. And Aaron Rodgers went 31 of 40 to, for 318 in a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that, that, that could be a game that you would see this week from him. Wouldn't be surprised at all. That's the bounce back I expect from number 12. Your favorite quarterback, I know. <laughs> and speaking of my favorites, let me tell you about my favorite beer out there. Of course, Breckenridge Brewery and Mace. When the skies get gray, a lot of people reach for the Avalanche Amber, the Vanilla Porter Jr. I like reaching for something that reminds me of some sun, those warm days, and no better beer than the Palisade Peach. Gosh, Breckenridge Brewery just has mastered the art. Uh, of the delicious light beers with some great flavor in them. And the Palisade Peach is just one of those. So go down to your local grocery store, Costco, and grab yourself some Palisade Peach beer. Grab yourself some Breckenridge Brewery beer for this game against the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. And if you're local, make sure to check out the farmhouse and help support them during this time. They have some fantastic food. Also, on Saturday, I believe it's going to be better weather, nearly 70 degrees out. Farmhouse is a great place to hang out outside. Got a great social distance area out there for you to get some food and some drinks as well. And of course, just make sure to get some Breck brews at the grocery store at Costco this weekend as well. And might I recommend the Palisade Peach. Yeah, you know what I saw for sale yesterday at the grocery store? What? Christmas ale. 
from Breckenridge Brewery. Oh, wow. We're already in Christmas time, huh? Yeah, well, it's going to feel a lot like Christmas. We're going to be saying let it snow at some point over <laughs> yeah. this weekend. The weather outside will be frightful. It's whatever is so, de- but whatever, hopefully the game is so delightful. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I want to tell you about our friends over at Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans, but they have supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They are a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial services experience. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to, win, enter to win a free DNVR short or a hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. They want you to know that since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage is your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. Visit them at dmvrmortgage.com. Make sure you enter to win that free DMVR shirt or hat when you do. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 919-31006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Mike is a certified financial planner, which really sets this duo apart from the rest. They, they will shop over a dozen lenders to get the best rate for you and your family. If you mention DNVR, visit dnvrmortgage.com. You can see how it's possible to have your appraisal and other co- closing costs covered. So check them out. Chevalier Mortgage. Call Virginia Chevalier directly, 303-257-6578, or visit dnvrmortgage.com. All right, Mace, let's jump into the questions from the listeners. First one coming in from Bronco Turp. My boys, looking at the Pats' performance, and on to Casey, I actually feel better than I did just a few days ago. Watching the game, I knew drops hurt Drew and the offense, but not to the extent I did not after looking at it, after it more critically. And although I tend to shy away from the what-ifs, this is a game that needs them. RK's what-if stat for Drew puts things in a much better perspective and shows what the offense could be. No way the boys have the drops back-to-back weeks, right? To be competitive this week, Denver has to control the clock and keep Mahomes off the field, and it's possible. Casey is 30th in rushing yards allowed, and, consist- and a consistent dose of Lindsey and Gordon should keep the ball moving and hopefully open up more options down the field. Fant being back adds a mismatch at underneath. And if Carr can go over the top over KC, so can Drew. The trick will be avoiding a shootout. Hmm. And I think if they can control time of possession early and maybe add an extra layer of stickum to their gloves, we may see the Broncos make this closer than most think. Mace, I know well, you probably agree with that, right? Well, let's talk about the drops here. You say no way they could have the drops back-to-back weeks. Well, they've already done that. They had two drops in week one. They had four drops in week two against Pittsburgh, three in week three. Best game in terms of drops was one in week four. By the way, it's interesting how the drop rate is substantially better with Brett Rippon at quarterback than the other two quarterbacks. For Jeff Driscoll, the receiving targets were dropping one of every every six catchable passes while he was in there. Not good. And then, of course... And then, of course, last week, and the numbers I go by are from Pro Football Focus. They credited the Broncos with three drops in that game, one for Deshaun Hamilton, one for Jerry Judy, one for Alberto. So you say no way that they can have the drops back-to-back weeks? Uh, They already have this year. So they've got to show that 
they don't have a case that, that, that the dropsies are something that is cured. They've got to, they've got to prove they've got to prove otherwise right now. I'm going to assume at least a couple of drops just based on the way things are going. Yeah. And Mesa, the probably deciding factor of how the offense looks with that, are they 50 yard touchdowns again, or are they, you know, two yard slants on second and four, and then you pick up the, the first down on third down. And so you totally forget about the drop. Obviously last week, the drops were killer. They were huge drops. Uh, and uh, week one, Jerry Judy's drops were pretty, pretty big drops, but they don't always happen in high leverage situations. That's true. Ventriculostomy. Gentlemen, the discussion a few days ago about deep fried butter, deep fried Kool-Aid, and how everything tastes better deep fried reminded me of the King of the Hill episode, Mutual of Omabois where the guys get a deep fryer after eating a fried banana at the farmer's market. They start frying bananas, but quickly move on to fried candy bars, fried mushrooms, and even refried fried chicken. <laughs> Everything is going well until they accidentally deep fry an unopened can of beer. So just remember, while everything can be deep fried, not everything should be deep fried. Instead of deep frying, I can't wait to see Judy, Patrick, Fant, and hopefully Hamler roast the KC secondary this weekend. Well, I think the key is that you just can't fry the packaging. Fry, and I th if you're going to deep fry beer, I would think it would be the same principle as deep fried Kool-Aid where you're putting it kind of in some flour and, and letting that be the flavor of the flour and then dropping it in the fryer. That's what, so it would be like a deep fried beer ball if you wanted to pull it off. Man, deep fried beer ball. That sounds pretty good. You know what? Deep fried beer ball is the kind of thing they should be serving over at Ball Arena. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. The new, I, I guess, can we even call it Pepsi Center every, anymore? Well, I mean, the you old go Pepsi from, Center. You can't call it the can, so now you're going to call it the jar. <laughs> the jar, man. Yes. Mm. New, uh, new, uh, new names all around, except for Coors Field. Well, and the interesting thing. I've often wondered about this with Pepsi and, and why this doesn't come as a surprise. We saw with the Broncos, one of the issues in terms of it taking so long to get a naming rights partner on the stadium is that there are fewer companies that are interested in it because if you're Pepsi, what additional brand awareness value do you get by putting your name on an arena? Everybody knows Pepsi. Right. right. I mean, that's why you don't see like, like, there isn't an Amazon field somewhere. Everybody knows Amazon. Right. Whereas for a company like Empower Financial, it's not something that was on the tips of people's tongues before, but now more people have heard of it. So there's a relatively limited amount of companies that, you know, that A, have the, the financial resources to pay the naming rights fee on a major team's venue. So you, you need a company that's in finance or something like ball jars. I think, every, you know, everyone's bought ball jars, but maybe uh, people haven't thought about it. Well, this is going to help their brand awareness. So it's, it's a good move for the folks at Kroenke getting, getting them involved. I'm glad they were able to square this away, but it's, it's also interesting to see how the climate has changed as companies have evaluated just whether those naming rights are worth it or not for someone like Pepsi. And I would even argue someone like Coors, although I know they have a, like a, they have a really long-term deal. Uh, there's already such brand recognition. They don't need it. Like for example, one of the great beer names on parks, kind of like Coors Field is Miller Park. Yep. And it's changing its name. Miller is withdrawing. 
from really? its naming rights sponsorship with the Brewers. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Miller P- Miller Park is going to is a I think it's going to become American Family Field. Wow. wow. Next year. Uh-huh. Yeah, Miller Miller Park rolls off the tongue a little more than that. American Family Field that just doesn't work. Miller Miller Park, Coors Field, Bush Stadium, even Pepsi Center. These are actually not nice names for buildings. They roll off the tongue. And when you go to a ball game, you or a hockey game, you think about having a, a soda, having a beer. Uh, you you don't necessarily think about jars. You don't necessarily think about insurance, but or fi- or retirement planning, but. This is the world in which we live right now. <laughs> yes, it certainly is. Next one coming in from Joe Woods's other car is a sieve. First Siv. stop, sieve. Yes, thank you, thank you, Sip. First off, welcome, Mace. It's awesome to have you on BSN now. That 760 is no longer with us. Secondly, oh, oh. as far as Flacco is concerned, I just think we need to run more play action, and we can beat these Chiefs. Gotta run. I have a meeting with the Bobs. They called me at home. Wow, uh, Joe Flacco. <laughs> Joe Flacco and BSN. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is uh, just taking me back here. This is great. <laughs> Man, wow. yeah, it's a throwback to the past. <laughs> well, I mean, 760 is still with us, but uh, they have a uh, format and a brand of programming that um, let's just say I'm not interested in listening to. It's changed drastically from uh, Broncos talk, hasn't it? Uh, it probably couldn't have changed more from Broncos talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. And, Speaking- and, and, they're, and, the, and I hate to say this, but uh, their ratings spiked <laughs> after they changed format. So it doesn't really say no much. No way. For, doesn't really. Oh, yeah. They, they get better ratings now overall than KOA. Wow. That's something else. With wow. no local programming. Wow. What it says is that the, the, the people that listen to that particular format will will find it. I mean, it, right. I have to say, even though even though I'm on the I, I was on the outs because of that, really on their part, kind of a brilliant move in terms of yeah. uh, in, in terms of reviving the frequency. But uh, yeah, it's a shame. I, I feel I feel like uh, I feel like with better promotion on all sides, Broncos sides, the Broncos side, the the I Heart side, it could have could have worked out a lot, a lot better the other thing is also bad timing if you're going to launch a broncos only station you really don't want to launch it before the worst two-year period that the team has had in four decades but uh, <laughs> yeah i mean there you know you, you, you ran out of excuses after a while the orange and blue 760 era is basically the vance joseph era <laughs> yeah not the best time to try to uh get fans mm. there Nope, nope, nope. Gun Gun 1989. Dearest DNVR fam, I need your wisdom. I picked first in fantasy this year and was plagued with IR. McCaffrey, most notably. I mean, my team is really bad. When is it allowable to let the better team start poaching my players? I am currently withholding a trade to Spacebar for my only decent player left, Philip Lindsay. Help would be appreciated. 0-5 in fantasy, but undefeated in pumping and carving. Yeah, boy, Gunner Kane. First of all, what benefit do you get from trading your decent players? Do you get a higher pick the next year? Is this a keeper league? So I got to have a little more information here. 
I was going to say the exact same thing, Mace. I mean, if you're just dumping them and it's a one, one year league, I wouldn't do that at all. But yeah, if there's a benefit, then yeah, they don't want five. You're, you're probably good starting to shop people. If it's a keeper league and you have a rookie draft, then hell yeah, you're tanking because you're tanking for Trevor like everybody <laughs> else who stinks. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And man, Pump or, or Gunner made some awesome Breckenridge Brewery uh, pumpkins. You guys got to check him out on his Twitter. So, oh, so yeah. talented. Impressive. Wow. Six-toed six cat picking up minors in a RAV4. Wow. Yikes. Yikes. KJ Hamler looked real, real good on Mace's kind of creepy sideline cam. Football vo- uh, voyeurism for all of us. Yes. Thank you, Mace. On the subject You're of very Drew's, welcome. On the subject of Drew's statistics, seven games is not a reasonable sample size for anything. So the nuance of each game is significantly more meaningful than the aggregate view. The more games, the more the nuance of the individual game becomes less relevant. Being a fan of the NFL exposes you to lots and lots of stats. Most people aren't even close enough to being or close to being statistically or data literate enough to actually take any meaning out of them. This is why you get all these nonsense arguments on Twitter. On the subject of let them run or let them pass, nuance is is again important. My view is this. Whichever approach you take, say five or more uh, in the box for seven or eight on the back end, you need need that underman position group to outplay their matchup. So the question is really about which group matches up better against the Chiefs at being undermanned. For me, it's the run deepers, the Chiefs run offense. They have a better chance of winning at a man disadvantage than the passing D does against the Chiefs passing game. And to state the obvious, you clearly need a mix of both, but it's a question of to what degree and when. So the summary is you got a better chance of a smaller box keeping the Chiefs under 100 rushing yards on the ground than you do a lighter box uh, on the back end keeping Mahomes under 100 passer rating. The magic number is therefore 100. You're welcome, Zach. Thoughts? Well, let's, uh, let's just kind of go through the Chiefs since 2018 here. Let's talk about 100 yards rushing. You know what the Chiefs' record is when they rush for 100 yards since the start of the 2018 season? Are they almost undefeated? 23-1. and one. <laughs> Yeah. And in that one loss, by the way, they still put up 31 points. Impressive. Now, Patrick Mahomes with a 100 passer rating. He's done this a little more often. He's done the – or the Chiefs have this. And this also, I think – this also includes some game – I think a game with Matt Moore as well because I just went through games in the Mahomes era. So, in other words, we take a look at these games here. Since the start of the 2018 season, quarterback rating of north of 100. This has happened 28 times. And the Chiefs are 20 – or, yeah, 28 times. The Chiefs are 21-7. and seven. So it's 23 and 1 versus 21 and 7. So basically it's a 25% chance to win if you hold them to if you if Mahomes has a 100 rating versus a 1 in 24 shot which uh you know get out the abacus here is a 4.2% chance. So it's 25% versus 4% when and you can maybe- do the 100. And Mace, that's that's what I was talking about earlier this week when I was saying, as crazy as it is, almost let you know. I said it in a way of let Mahomes beat you. But here's the thing: you can't let the Chiefs uh, be two dimensional. And the right. thing is, if you if you commit to stop the run, um, then Mah- then mm-hmm. they only have one dimension, 
and that is Patrick Mahomes. And that's a, a killer dimension. That can absolutely beat you, as you said, 21-7 and seven there. But there, there's a chance that you can still win that game. Mace, if you let the Chiefs be two-dimensional and you let them run the ball, you allow them to run the ball, you're not going to stop Patrick Mahomes. So you're not going to make them one-dimensional in the way where Patrick Mahomes is a non-factor. No, then you just allow them to do whatever they want to do. And that's why when the Chiefs run the ball, when they have Patrick Mahomes, they're pretty much unbeatable because there's no way to stop them. So that's why uh, I, I disagree with you. Six-toed cat picking up minors in a RAV4 is uh, I think you got to make them one-dimensional. And as crazy as it is, that one dimension is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and uh, I mean, that's painful to say, but when, they, when they're two-dimensional, they're a problem. And in the broad sense of the season, they are two-dimensional. And um, we saw last week, we saw against Houston, if you give them the run, they will happily take it. And that's, that's what Vic Fangio is talking about when he says this Chiefs team is better and more dangerous than it has been. Because they were willing to take it, for example, when Kareem Hunt was back there. And then they weren't with, uh, with Damian, you know, with the running backs they had left after they had to cut Kareem Hunt. Well, now you got Edward Solaire and now you've got Le'Veon Bell coming in and he's kind of a wild card here the other the other thing is um it's independent of yards but i'm gonna get into i'm gonna but turnovers are for the chiefs takeaways for your defense i'm gonna get into this more here from in my piece for friday where i really dive into the things like 23 and 1 when they rush for 100 21 and 7 when mahomes has or when the chiefs have a, a 100 passer rating but since the start of the 2018 season, Zach, when the Chiefs turned over the football twice, it's happened eight times, four and four. Wow. So, so if you can force two takeaways, and it's tough against Mahomes because he has pinpoint accuracy, but this is where if they do run the ball, swarm, get guys around there and try to get, and, and you know what? See if somebody can get a helmet on the football and poke that ball out. That's the kind of thing you need to be thinking of. I would be, if I'm the Broncos this week, I'm working on, on takeaway drills for the defense because you're, if you can get two takeaways, you do give yourself about a 50-50 shot of beating this team. But the best way to get those is going to be fumbles, not interceptions. That's the most likely path here. So work, so work on strip the ball drills. Work, make sure everybody's swarming. Make sure you got somebody focused on putting a hat on the ball. Uh, just, and, study, and study how Edwards Hilaire carries the ball. Remember how Brandon Marshall studied how Jamal Charles carried the ball and found that weakness and he poked it out. So dive into details like that to try to figure out if there's a way that you can put the ball on the ground. That's your best path to take, to take aways in this game. Yep. Yep, exactly, Mace. I totally, totally agree. Mm. Next one from self-driving car full of six-toed cats covered in yeasty spread and the parlance of my boys. I don't have a comment. I just wanted to one-up you guys. Links. Wow. <laughs> this is getting out of hand, but it's funny. <laughs> yep. Love it. Manning's forehead. Planning on coming to Denver after a vaccine comes out. And I'm debating on coming over in the summer or the winter. feel like I can do more in the summer, but I can go to the DMVR bar and enjoy my first break group I go in the winter. Thoughts? Well, let me just say this. Um, as someone who married into a medical family, uh, I wouldn't count on it this winter. 
So cross your fingers for next summer. So, and Denver, and think about it this way. If there, if there, if there is a vaccine to the point where it's being widely distributed going into the spring and summer, it's going to be a glorious summer if that's what happens. Cross your fingers, cross everything. I mean, that's sort of what I kind of expect and hope for. In the back of my mind, Zach, for what you and I do, I think the next normal thing is going to be training camp. Yeah. Mid to late summer next year. Yeah. So, so I'd be – Manny's forehead, if I were you, I'd, it's optimistic, but I'd be thinking more of, of next summer and – Definitely, you can enjoy your bar. You can enjoy the DNVR bar and have a break room in the summer as well. I mean, exactly. It's all, it's, it, it's a twelve month a year thing. It will and, be there. And Colorado in the summer is the place to be. So that would be my recommendation as well. Brian chiming in. Should we read into Andy Reid saying that Locke plays big? Does Reid know that Locke is the goat? <laughs> well, as he as he mentioned. He, he was on the Mizzou coaching staff uh, for and when Andy Locke was there. That's uh, Drew's Locke fa- Drew Locke's father uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s under then head coach Bob Stoll. So there's a deep connection there. Andy Reid has known about Drew Locke for a long time. So yep. it's, per- it's kind of personal. Yep, yep. It, it, it is, and man, I mean, just if Darth Vader can beat the Chiefs. That would be fun. <laughs> See, I think, yeah, Darth Vader, you've got to build up to. I think right now he's, he's Darth Maul. <laughs> I love it. Next one from Six Toed Cat picking up miners in an RV again. What's more uncomfortable when Vic says pound during locker room speeches and everyone stares at him or Mike Purcell releasing his own clothing line? I mean, really? I love the dude. Such a cool story. But, I mean, come on, man. Come on. Hey, you know what would be clever? DNVR signs him onto merch deals and run and runs this for him. Sips Lipton tea. Well, looks like we are communicating with Mike Purcell about getting something going. Yeah. Uh, our people are talking with his people. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully all those people can come together and make a deal to make shirts for the people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and speaking of getting the ball rolling, Mace – WGT is a great place to get the ball rolling. Literally, WGT is the most popular golf game in the world, and it's also the official gaming partner of DNVR. So make sure to play with us. And how do you do that? We'll go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf. It's free to go there, and we ask that you go there instead of the App Store because it lets WGT know that you want to play with us. So go to dnvrgolf.com, download WGT Golf. Then once you're in there, go to the Clubhouse section and search for DNVR3. That's all capitals, DNVR and the number three to join our series of clubhouses where we have hundreds, nearly a thousand people playing WGT golf. And we've got awesome tournaments every single week. And some birdies are saying, Mace, that there's a major coming up with some awesome prizes again. So make sure to get in, practice so that you can win that. But also, all you have to do is participate to win those prizes. So make sure to get in on WGT Golf right now by going into dnvrgolf.com. Have we had the DNVR Masters yet? No, not yet, but that would be a great thing to do in about a month. It would be a great thing to do. And uh, maybe if you want to complete the package, you can even uh, find the uh, 
the 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 Augusta music that they use on the CBS Sports broadcast. You know, yes, yes, the, very common. That Dave Loggins did. Oh, you know what? I I have that uh, on my computer here. It's it does <laughs> it does soothe the senses after a tough day. You know, or maybe you're just having a a cup of hot tea on a cold day, and you want to dream of a warm spring day, and you just turn that on and uh, go off into another world <laughs> yep <laughs> anyway by the way do my teeth look clean oh of course they do good you know why because i used a sonicare toothbrush mm. and guess what if you schedule a cleaning x-ray exam at our friends over at green mountain dental group in lakewood you're going to get a free sonicare toothbrush and that makes sure that you brush for two minutes because you just follow the beeps you know, one side of the mouth, the other side of the mouth. Make sure you get all those pearly whites looking as pearly white as you want to. And if you're going to do that, you want to make sure you get an appointment with the Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood, the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and their extreme Colorado sports fans. Make sure that if you go there, tag us and them to show how the DNVR community can support its biggest supporters, like our friends over at DN at uh, DNVR at Green Mountain Dental Group. They'll send you a birthday card. They'll treat you like family. They show us love. You show them some love. They want you know the first step to good health is taking care of your mouth. And oh, by the way, that Sonicare that'll help you take good care of your mouth. That free Sonicare toothbrush you'll get if you schedule an appointment, cleaning, X-ray, and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood, the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. Next one coming in from Aaron Ray. Yo, you got me, my Gs. I've been listening for a couple of years now and was starting to feel like I was doing you guys dirty for not subscribing after all the work you guys put in to keep us informed. Don't worry, I will not run down the list of food subjects and whole talks from the past because we know we will be here all day, LOL. I do, however, have one challenge for Zach and RK before I get to my question. On the podcast, I need one of you to pick a random season while the other picks an episode number from that season of The Simpsons, and let's see if Mace really knows what, what he's talking about without looking it up. Uh, <laughs> I had to put you on the spot, my dude. All love. You know what, Aaron Ray? Since you can now comment on these pods, why don't you comment again maybe tomorrow or, or next weekend when hopefully Ryan's on and we can put Mace up to the task, although Mace may be uh, doing some studying this weekend then. <laughs> well, a couple of things. Number one, my Simpsons knowledge is primarily, primarily limited to the first 11 seasons of the show. So kind of classic Simpsons. Okay, so, we'll, we'll make sure it's in the first 11 seasons. And the, the other thing is, if you just give me an episode number, I'm not going to know it. Like, I, I, that's the thing. I, I don't know the episode numbers per in the season. I, I don't know what episode 11 of season eight was. Fair. I mean, if you need the name. So, the name and then kind of, you know, go from, yeah, a little context. That's so, I mean, I, th- there's a level of memorization of knowledge that I can't quite get to. And one of them is knowing episode numbers of the show. Like there are some like, oh, well, it's season four, episode 10. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've only got Roomba for so much here. I'm going to concentrate <laughs> on, on, knowing the, on, on knowing the fact that uh, when, Marge, when, uh, when Marge Simpson was, wel- was welcomed home after, an unwel- after, uh, after a stay in, in prison, a brief stay, that the statue that was put out front previously was a statue of Jimmy Carter who was referred to for some reason as history's greatest monster and the statue 
it where it originally read Malays Forever and then it became March Forever. So <laughs> poor Jimmy <Yeah>. Carter. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Aaron Ray, for for uh, sparking yes. that and also for joining us. He says, yes. question. If Drew Locke, Bradley Chubb, Philip Lindsay, Corton Sutton, Noah Fant, and Jerry Judy all pop soon, how do you think the Broncos are going to pay them? Will they have to let one or two walk? If so, who do they let go? I appreciate y'all. Have a blessed day. And he says, add Noah Fant to that group as well. And I'm glad you did because, first of all, Drew Locke, that's kind of independent of, every, of everything else. If Drew Locke does well, if he proves he's the guy, he's getting paid. Yep. And you're accepting that. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Noah Fant are kind of in one group. And I don't think you see all three get paid. I think it's ultimately two out of three. Yes. And, it, and I don't know about you, Zach, but if I were putting money down long-term on who gets a second contract, I'd put more money on Fant and Judy than I would Sutton. Yep, I would too. I was going to say the exact same thing, Mace. Uh, and, of course, Bradley Chubb's kind of in his own category as well, being the only right. defensive player in this. And, yeah, Bradley Chubb's getting paid if he shows that he's the guy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And Phil is interesting. Uh, man, if he pops, I mean, it's hard to say if he pops. He's, he's already popped in, in the league, and the Broncos have showed other running backs more love in terms of money than him. But what's interesting is if you read that post-game column that Mark Kisler wrote in the Denver Post a few days ago, Phil did not sound particularly like a man who was going to give any hometown discounts or any favors or anything like that to the Denver Broncos. No, he certainly, certainly didn't because they didn't show him the love this offseason. Yeah, and the other thing is Phil still has the chip on his shoulder from being undrafted. Yes, by even the Broncos. Yeah. He signed with the Broncos. That's well and good. But remember, in the seventh round, they decided – they would rather have another running back. Think about that. Yeah, yeah. They picked Dave Williams <laughs> and decided to take their chances that they could get Philip Lindsay on the market. If they, if they loved Phil that much going into the process, they would have drafted him. Yeah. They wouldn't have drafted Dave Williams. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and if they loved Phil, they could have given him a new deal this offseason. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't blame Phil for feeling a little put on right now. No, I totally agree. I t- he's like you said, Mace. This isn't just like a one-year, one-month deal. He's had this his, his whole time. Yep, exactly. Next, next smoke, smoke and a pancake. <laughs> I just like saying that. My, my my boys. There you go. I hear RK talk about the litmus test, every, and all I can think of is the pacer test we had to run in high school. Did anyone else have to do this this seventh layer of hell test? You pretty much have to run the length of the basketball court while outrunning beeps. They get progressively faster over time. The Chiefs are that kid that holds the entire class through lunch just because they are still running it and score a perfect 247 while everyone else in class just groans. The Jets are the kid who walks the very first lap and fails on purpose so he can take a nap for the rest of gym. The Broncos seem to be grouped into the rest of the class right now but have more determination than ever to not be shown up by the overachieving Chiefs kid. Last thing. I finally did the year sub, and those T-shirts are damn soft. Now you're telling me goat tweeter Mike Purcell wants in? Might need to grab another shirt. (laughs) Welcome on board. And, yes, uh, maybe Mike Purcell is in, and, yes, they are some damn soft shirts. And, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about, about the beeper test. Man, it was terrible. That, That was probably the worst physical test that I had to do growing up it, w- it was the worst Mace, was that something that uh 
that you had going on? Oh, Mace is stepping out. Maybe he's doing his own pacer test right now. Yes, it was uh, just as you described it, awful, terrible. I'm sure everyone listening to this that had to take the pacer test is in agreement right now. Next one coming in from LDJ. Dear Jerry Judy, after hearing with the – with the great guys at DNBR said about Bill Belichick deciding to take you away. I went back and watched your snaps on the all 22 Jerry, you are doing football and Broncos fans and NFL fans nationwide, a disservice when you drop the ball, please, please catch it because there needs to be replays on TV of your route running. It's going to make grown men cry and understand Jerry, you will feast when Cortland will be back next year. Oh my God, guys, when Cortland gets back next year, this offense on a scale of one to 10, how patient should Broncos country be with this offense? Because I'd say a 7.5. I I see it coming together by Drew Sember if we're healthy. It's going to be explosive. Yeah, I mean, L- LDJ next year, if Drew Locke continues to develop into the guy we think he can be, this offense could be dangerous from day one. Because if Drew Locke develops and Pat Shermer's back, and if Pat Shermer's back, then the rest of this offense is the same. You could very well see this offense be explosive by day one of next year. If not, like you're saying, Drew Sember of this year. Nihalo checking in. <laughs> GF surprised me with tickets to the Broncos game in Charlotte in December. Mace, will you be on assignment? It'd be awesome to say hello. Any other members of DNVR fam going to be in attendance? Well, I have my flight, so I should be on assignment if all goes well. I mean, I'm just hoping we don't have any more rearrangements to the schedule like we did this month with New England. I'm hoping that Atlanta happens on time and Vegas happens on time and Kansas City and Charlotte and uh, Los Angeles happen on time because that was this month has been kind of rough kind of trying to rearrange things. So, Gosh, Mace, I to, felt so bad for you with all the New England stuff. Oh, my goodness. It was it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. But uh, but being at the game once it got started, and even having a a nice bowl of clam chowder and a lobster roll Saturday night for dinner made it worth it. <laughs> Good. How was how, how was the stadium food? Oh, the, they're doing boxes there okay. in Foxborough, so you get like a sandwich box. Um, I went with the grilled chicken wrap, but the real star of the culinary experience in the press box is the stand at which they ladle out clam chowder. And I'm not sure where it was from over. I think it's from a place called skip Jack's, which is right there at the Patriot place complex used to be from legal seafood, which is where I went on Saturday night for dinner, but it's very good. And I was heartened in the midst of everything with COVID. I thought they would not have the staffer dispensing clam chowder to the media i thought that would be a casualty of covid well what to my wondering i should appear as i walked to the back of the press box then the clam chowder and i went back for a second bowl because it just you're you're looking for things that scream normalcy right now right in the midst of all this right and weirdly having the clam chowder in the press box at gillette stadium a tradition that goes back really i think to when the stadium opened it felt briefly like it was just a normal Sunday, even though you looked around and you had like the plexiglass partitions not in front of you and to the side. So like I was sitting next to Rhino Halloran of the post and there's a plexiglass partition between he and I sitting together in the press box. Um, Yeah. If for a moment it felt normal and that was nice. 
And then Mace, what was weird was what you watched on the field was not normal at all because the Broncos won in Foxborough. Very unusual. <laughs> uh, with a quarterback so young that no quarterback at that age had ever won at Gillette Stadium against the Patriots. I mean, yeah. they were the game itself uh, took, on a, took on a tone that I don't think a lot of us expected. Certainly not. No way. And Mace, the last one coming in here from the other, Ryan, he says, my boys, with Josh Watson and Dalton Reisner injured, do you think that we will see Nigel Bradham and Patrick Morris called up from practice squad on Sunday to play against the Chiefs? Also, which two players do you think will be released for A.J. Boye, Draymond Jones, and Demarcus Walker to return to the active roster? I think that Bradham could be a nice veteran addition to the linebacking core, but if he gets much time with the Broncos, probably depends on the long-term health of Austin Calitro and Mark Barron. Have a tremendous Thursday. DNV Army, salute. Well, let's uh, watch the situation with DeMar Dotson, who did not practice yesterday. It was not injury-related. You want to make sure you get him back, because if not, then you've got, uh, you got an issue with tackle. I- I'll say this, and with all respect to the question, I hate I- – I'm not going to speculate on which players are going to get cut just because they're going to have to make room on the roster. That's, that's not a game I really want to get into out of respect for the players who – will be losing their jobs to make room for those guys. And the Broncos, not not speculation, the Broncos released defensive lineman yeah. Timmy Jernigan earlier this week, and that was a move to yeah. open up a spot either for Demarcus Walker or Draymond Jones. Yeah, so there you go. That's it, They'll come down in, in due time. One thing that uh, I, I'm curious on the, on the offensive line, and, and, the, and in general, have the Broncos announced their protected players yet for the week? They, they have. Yes, they have. And, Mace, I have them right here. And yeah. one of them is Patrick Morris. There you uh, go. The, the, the full list right here, pulling it up right now, is Patrick Morris, Nigel Bradham, so those two guys he identified, Fred mm-hmm. Brown, and Jeremy Cox. Okay. Now, Jeremy Cox, of course, injuries at running back. That's not a surprise there to have the third guy. Now, Fred Brown, that's uh, really interesting. And uh, – uh, maybe you're looking at a scenario where there could be a change at the back end of wide receiver if Fred Brown is up. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you would see that, which would be interesting. And something that you should see is Green Mountain Dental. Speaking of that Sonicare toothbrush and how great it is, you can get your hands on one if you schedule a cleaning, x ray, and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood. They're one of the best family. Uh, own dentist in the metro area and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like us our director of sales Lindsay went to Green Mountain Dental to get some work done earlier this year and they treated her like family the dentist gave her a call a couple of days later to follow up with her directly that's just the type of service that they have over at Green Mountain Dental so make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental schedule that cleaning x-ray exam and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush as well as a great experience. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us today. Talking a little Bradley Chubb, getting to all your six-toed cat and RAV4 questions. It's a blast. We absolutely love every single one of you and are very, very appreciative that you roll with us every day. We'll be back tomorrow for our final predictions. Do the Broncos pull off the big-time upset and get that Back to 500 on a three-game win streak. We'll give you our answers tomorrow. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. It's getting-